Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. So in today's podcast, I'm being joined by James Maud, who is the Head of Threat Research at Netasea, a company that offers machine learning powered intent analytics. Now, just a bit of background on James before I bring him onto the show here. He's an experienced security professional who has worked across a diverse range of projects. He has a demonstrable history as an innovator within cybersecurity products, including patent applications for novel anti-malware techniques. Since his beginnings in forensic computing, James has become a regular presenter at international events and provides media commentary on threat and defense strategies. And James today is going to be walking us through the factors shaping the current cybersecurity landscape, as well as looking forward to the next 12 months in cybersecurity. Thank you very much for having me, Max. Of course. And I think, obviously, if we're going to look ahead to, towards 2020 and we're going to discuss what's been going on, I think a good jumping off point is if we reflect a little on 2019. I know it seems like a, a distant memory at this point, but it was only a couple of weeks ago. So what were the kind of trends in the spotlight last year and, and what have we really learned from them? I think from my perspective, what we've really seen is attackers shifting towards softer targets, towards business logic. So if you look at breaches only a few years ago, everyone was talking about things with SQL injection and technical software exploits against web applications, which is sort of the area that I focus in at the moment. And we've seen that really shifting to people actually doing things with automation, credential stuffing, taking over accounts, and actually just abusing business logic within web applications. So I think attackers are just looking for easier targets and constantly shifting. And the culmination of the past few years of data breach after data breach. We've gone from the position where someone saw a data breach in the news and thought, great, that's not my company, that's not my problem, to now these data breaches and password breaches have become so big that they're actually affecting most businesses because users are just reusing the passwords all the time. So I think we're really seeing the uh, breaches of a few years ago come back to haunt people in 2019. Yeah, I think that's kind of spot on. Breaches has always been a a big sticking point as you say the attitude towards how people are approaching password security and just general protecting of information is better than what it's been in recent years i think that's fair to say but there is still a concern of not laziness but just really a struggle to kind of stay on top of all of the information that they've got of guard at this point and i think a main concern is how much data we're going to see over the next year as well or the next coming years Absolutely. Safeguarding data is a really tricky one for a lot of people because if you're in a competitive situation, if you're an online retailer, if you're a travel platform or even a food delivery service, when you're trying to get users to sign up to your service, you're trying to make it as frictionless as possible for them. And at the same time, you need to keep their data secure. So you're still relying on just a username and password. You're not checking whether the user has had this password breached before or anything like that. So inevitably, they sign up with vulnerable passwords and then that becomes your problem. So it's really interesting that you've not only got your own sort of security boundaries to think about, but you're trying to protect against users who will deliberately be using the same password or a predictable format of password. Yeah, I think that's going to be a dominating conversation, at least over the next five years of where we're at with the kind of password standard. I know I've had a lot of conversations recently about how we're approaching passwords and and using them, especially from a, a retail and consumer's perspective. So 
it, it will be interesting to see how that kind of evolves over the next couple of years. Absolutely. So another element I think is interesting and, and along a similar kind of vein is if we're talking about bot management is something that comes up quite often when we're looking at uh, traffic requests and everything in that kind of encompassing area. And there's businesses that are using good bots um, for their advantage, you know, but can you tell us a little bit more about what these bots are and, and really how they can be more beneficial for businesses? Yeah, so bots are a subject that a lot of businesses are starting to worry about because they've seen, you know, talks of abuse, but actually they're probably using bots today. You know, the simplest form of it, you are doing search engine optimization if you have a website to make sure the Google crawler bots and the search engine crawler bots find your website and push you up the rankings. If you start to go into it a bit more, you might start to set up Google alerts or you might start to do things like if you're in retail, want to appear on a price comparison site or, you know, we work with a number of retailers whose main marketing is through social media. So they need to make sure that when someone posts a link to one of their product pages on Facebook, that the Facebook bot is able to come and scrape the content off their site to put the thumbnail images of what the product's available. And then, you know, there's all sorts of other things that people can do with automation to maybe build their own bots to see what prices competitors are charging. So again, this is a, a double-edged sword because you as a business might want to be able to scrape all your competitors for their latest pricing, their new product releases, information off their websites. But at the same time, they could be doing it to you and that might you might not want that to, um, to happen to you. It might be actually causing you availability issues. It might be appearing as if you're being DDoSed at points if you work in, you know, ticket sales or high value goods you know only this week actually there was an article on bbc news about um, sneaker bots i don't know if you saw that these software you can buy these bots that you can buy to go and buy the latest releases of trainers which you know as an individual you might think that's great i can make sure i get the latest trainers that are, i can make some money by reselling them but as a business if you're trying to sell trainers online and suddenly you're getting thousands and thousands of requests a second because a few people have bought these bots that can just launch of an army of requests at you then you don't know whether you're under DDoS attack or what's happening. So, you know, bots are a really interesting one where they can be very beneficial to your business. They can drive your online presence. They can make things easier for you, but they can also have negative impacts as well. Mm, and I think that's a, a key element as well, because you're 100% right. They're, they're very important for business, but they can also have a hindrance. And, and when we're talking about bad bots, for example, you know, the disruption that that can kind of cause varies from industry to industry so if you wouldn't mind if you could kind of walk us through what kind of industries might suffer worse from this and what kind of issues can arise from these bad bots and these disruptions absolutely yeah there's quite a few different things and one of the challenges with bots in enterprise is that it actually impacts kind of a broad range of departments really so some of the ones that get a lot of coverage in the news are the credential stuffing and account takeover bots so people are trying to use lists of known usernames and passwords that have been breached, and they're trying to use those to get into your Spotify account, your Amazon account, some online streaming service you hold, and then those things will be used to gather loyalty points to resell on the dark web, or they'll just sell access. So if you've got, for instance, a Spotify family account, you might notice that it's been breached and actually someone has resold the empty slots that you haven't used up, things like that. And then that go across into like I mentioned, product scraping. So in some industries where you're in retail, you're selling online, you might find that people are scraping you constantly, uh, trying to harvest information off you, so you, they're constantly beating your prices. Or you might find things that we see a lot in the travel industry, for instance, or the ticketing industry, 
where people are writing bots to add items to a basket. So they'll add a plane ticket, a train ticket, a concert ticket into a basket, and then just hold it there in the checkout process while they're trying to sell it on a third-party site for a few dollars more. From the attacker's point of view, the bot author's point of view, there's very low risk to them. They're not buying something unless they've already sold it for a profit somewhere else. But from your point of view as a business, you're suddenly finding that all your things are in the checkout stage, but often don't get checked out. This can lead to you either underselling or overselling in travel, or for instance, in other areas in retail, it might say the latest phone, they've all been added to basket, but they've never been checked out. So your business analytics is telling you your prices must be too high. This is why people aren't checking out. So you make business decisions off the back of your web analytics that say people are getting to the checkout stage and clearly they can't check out because they're not buying things. So you start to decide, well, is the checkout process too complicated? Is our shipping charges too high? Is our prices too high? And you start to change things. Then you discover that you're not selling anymore because of those expensive changes you've made. So it can be really interesting what the, the bots can do. And then there's kind of the cost as well. So one of the impacts to most businesses is, you know, web scrapers, the, the legitimate ones, the good bots, search engines, will be fairly conservative with the amount of requests they make. They will not flood your website and knock it offline. But if someone's just written a script or a bot, or there's a series of tools that are targeting a website, like I said before, this can very quickly appear like a DDoS attack, and it can impact on your availability, it can impact on your operational costs. One business we work with at 1.95% of their resource costs of hosting their web platform was spent on serving content to bots. So it can become a very expensive thing to do, because bots don't often want the, the cached content your CDN can serve up. They're wanting live pricing, live updates, expensive queries on the back end. So it can become very challenging for lots of different industries for lots of different reasons. And then across to you know the classic things of finance or streaming services or high value accounts that the attackers are just trying to get into so they can access the banking information, access users' personal information to turn a profit on. You know, we've seen Deliveroo and Just Eat in the news in the past year because this has been happening where they've been receiving, seeing a lot of fraud, which has been driven by credential stuffing, people getting into accounts, requesting refunds, ordering takeaways to other addresses, all this kind of thing. So it can be impacting businesses that are selling online or goods and services in terms of fraud, as well as data breach costs and everything else. So it really is interesting because it spans across that whole gamut of the security team, the fraud team, operations teams, marketing teams, you know, e-commerce platform teams. So there's a lot of people who are all being impacted in different ways in different organizations. Usually the only limit on the impact of this and how much of a risk this is to you is how much value an attacker can work out they can derive from the data that you hold or the, the services that you're selling online. So how easy it is for them to commit fraud and, and turn a profit on that. And finally, the, the thing that I've seen, again, this is a trend that's just sort of started creeping in in 2019, is we've seen organizations who typically wouldn't expect to be credential stuffed and have accounts taken over. And this is happening to them. And it's part of a broader thing where people are trying to take a username and password and use it to gather information, sort of open source intelligence. So if you want to take over a user's identity or get into their bank account, it might be very difficult to break into bank account because it has two-factor authentication. It has lots of security checks. So you might find another website or service they're signed up to, credential stuff against that. From that, you get their real name. You might get their address. You go to another service, credential stuff, that you might find some card information. You might even find a payment schedule. So then you gather all this information, and then finally you ring up the bank and you try and commit fraud. And you can suddenly tell them, well, I know this payment goes out on this date and I know the name, I know the address, I know the date of birth. 
and suddenly actually these little micro breaches all over the place can lead to a bigger fraud for the end user it's amazing how widespread this can kind of branch out and and slowly start to filter in especially in terms of what we use on a daily basis it's quite scary how much it's being affected and it's interesting to see what's happening with it and and from your perspective and this is a very big question so please don't feel like you have to go into the nitty-gritty of it but in terms of from a business perspective we've seen these issues in the news that you've just been uh, been raising there how can kind of businesses get ahead of this as, as we're looking forward to next year what, what kind of steps can be made to stop these these bots invasions so I think the first step is establishing some ownership within the business. This is a problem that we've come across so many times now that organizations, they know they have these problems and the security team, and the fraud team are seeing these markers that are saying that they've got these problems. The marketing team, their analytics are skewed. All these people are complaining of all these problems, but no one actually owns the bot problem. And secondly, there's often a lack of visibility. So people see volumes of traffic, but they can't tell whether it is a human or a bot. Or if they can tell whether it's a human or a bot, it's with a very crude filter. So it's only if the the bot, for instance, declares its user agent as, you know, scraper bot or something like that. So any marginally sophisticated effort by, you know, using a real browser or something like that, suddenly you lose that insight. So there's no ownership often within an enterprise and there's no visibility of the traffic coming through. And it's not just, you know, people often focus on bots and think about website traffic. But again, 2019 is the year we've seen a lot of the credential stuffing tools, a lot of the tools that are used to automate bot attacks, shifting towards APIs and reverse engineering mobile apps and spoofing those to harness information and test credentials. Because often, you know, an organization will put a lot of defense around their website login page and they might do various checks there, but then they release a mobile app that has an API that has none of those checks in place. So ownership and visibility, I think, would be the two key things not ending up as one of those news stories. Mm, Yeah, I think ownership and visibility are kind of key and uh, hopefully that's a a message that gets kind of taken forward over the next year or well the next coming years because this won't be the last of it for sure now another thing we need to talk about obviously with trends last year and what we're going to see this year is ai which was a massive buzz back in uh, 2018 i think that's when it really really started to ramp up uh, and 2019 was no different in terms of conversations that i personally had and i know a lot of people had and security plays such a massive part in AI because many solutions today, they're, they're boasting that they are powered by AI, but that's not always a good thing. It can have a bit of a double-edged sword to it. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, I think AI is one of those awfully abused terms. So I have to be careful when I use it in our organization because we have a very large data science team and they're very clear about the machine learning aspects and that we're not building some, you know, global sentient robot it's actually about using computers to process big data and actually give us insight that as humans would take us far too long we would be very inefficient at doing so machine learning ai however we want to call it you know the two are largely used interchangeably these days is very good and very useful for organizations and moving forward we're producing as enterprises huge volumes of log data huge volumes of information be that you know marketing data sales forecasts or security log information And to be able to get people to manually go through that and analyze it and use spreadsheets, all this kind of thing is very inefficient. It's not always give you the best result. And actually, it's more about using people's expertise as and when. So bringing people into it. 
and this is the thing I always say when we're talking about machine learning and security, we're always very conscious because machine learning and AI can become a black box that you throw data in, you get results out, and then you trust that implicitly. And I think, you know, we've seen examples in 2019 where Apple launched their new credit card. The amount of finance that it was offering, the amount of credit it was offering to women was far lower because the data sets used to train it had been generated by humans who were biased. And effectively, you know, a woman with a similar income to a man was being given a much lower amount of credit. And because these things are often black box, it's not often clear why that decision was made. So I think it's really important when you're thinking of machine learning and AI to think about, is it explainable? You know, does it justify its decision? Can it be explained? Google have a big push on that started last year again into explainable AI and making these technologies actually justify decisions back to us. And that's why in our organization, when we're looking at bot traffic, we have a team of data scientists who kind of sit on the loop and constantly monitoring to see if anything significantly changed. Because if you make a change to your website, then suddenly people are interacting with it differently. You don't want that to be seen as a security instant if it's not a security instant. So it becomes very beneficial that it can detect things very fast. It can process huge volumes of data, but it often lacks that transparency and accountability that a human would give you. Yeah, and and I think there's so many elements of that and and with AI especially what we were noticing last year everyone seemed to just tack the word on to a lot of things that maybe yes there was some AI elements in there or in some cases I saw last year there was literally no AI elements and the word was still tacked on yeah and it's frustrating because I think a lack of education is a large issue of this and it's difficult to get people to have that conversation and, and learn a little bit more and you're right when we're talking about the discussion of bias and, and ethics that's a conversation that always comes up but it always seems to be a conversation that doesn't seem to go anywhere there seems to be a an echo chamber of such and I'm interested to see how that conversation is going to change over next year's and what kind of elements are needed to push it forward and I don't really know because we're, we're accelerating AI at, at quite a fast rate and I just don't think the education's really there. No I don't think the standards are there to judge things by either so if you want to test a security solution, antivirus engine, you know, you can take a series of things and see whether it detects them and it can kind of, it's got signatures and it's baked in. Whereas when it's a black box, it might seem very efficient, but how do you pen test that? How do you check that it's not introducing vulnerabilities into the decision-making? How do you know what it's missing and what it isn't missing? You know, kind of the who watches the watchers thing. It gets very complicated and it's it's almost impossible a lot of time to reverse engineer these which is why i think the explainability side is is so important to actually be able to not only just say this is magic it's caught 99 percent of your problems well how has it done that what you know what, what things is it extracted from there that are valuable to me how do i know this is actually problems and it's it's not false positives so a lot of the time people do that and i think to your point that it's become the new sort of blockchain everyone keeps adding it into products saying we, you know, we're machine learning, we're blockchain, all these kind of buzzwords that get done. But if it's just tacked onto a product, if it's not at the core of a product as machine learning, then how can it realize the full benefits of it? You know, it, it's supposed to be there to replace these things, not sort of sit alongside them always. So I'm often quite skeptical. And we come across a number of products sort of in our space where they have lots of layers of detections and machine learning is suddenly appears as a layer that they bolted onto that. It can have its uses, it can be beneficial, but a lot of the time it's just sort of tacked on as a a marketing label almost. 
Yeah, and I think that's definitely a, a point it's gotten to. So I, I think that's a key point. Explainability is key. If, if anyone is, you know, showing products or showing something, it should be why. Why is this beneficial? What is the purpose and the outcome at the end of the day? So hopefully that's a, a trend we can see moving forward. And speaking of trends, it kind of leads me nicely to my last question here. I'd love to kind of get your predictions for the next, uh, we'll limit it to 12 months. I won't make you do the whole five or <laughs> 10 years. It's difficult to see how uh, technology and security can evolve. But even within the space of 12 months, we can see quite significant changes. So so what are your kind of predictions for the next year? I think 2020 is going to be an interesting one. We are really, really seeing a lot of enterprises, a lot of organizations being turned on to the bot management problem, that they need some level of solution to manage the bot problem in general. And a lot of organizations, the ones who've been hit by it the hardest already realize they have a problem. Often they've tried to solve this with a WAF or a CDN solution and realized that actually these kind of static rules that they're putting in place to block things aren't working out. One of the problems that people often encounter, and I think it's going to become more of a problem in 2020, is they're going to start blocking good bots by accident as they roll out solutions. And they're going to start blocking real users. and we're going to see this real shift where some organizations are going to try and introduce things that will add friction to the user journey. So smart captures, two-factor authentication, and then that's going to start shifting the balance of the user experience and the market share with those companies. So I think it'll be interesting to see how people do this. What we're seeing now is that the WAF market has grown fairly stagnant. So people are looking to broaden out. We've seen a lot in the bot management space of consolidation of different vendors into CDN and WAFs. And people are trying to bundle in those solutions, but they're lacking the kind of the best of breed approach and then they're missing part of the problem there. So I think we're going to see some really interesting levels of sophistication through the bots. We're already seeing residential proxy networks growing in prominence. So these are services where they are adding an SDK to a mobile app or some software to offer it for free. And as part of this, you agree to share your connection. So the bot authors now have access to proxy networks of residential connections of all around the globe. And they can say, I want all my bot traffic to come out of an exit node in London from the Vodafone network or from New York, from the Sprint network and all these kind of different things. So it's becoming very hard to use traditional IP-based intelligence and block based on a user agent or an IP. So I think we're really going to see an uptick in sophistication of bot attacks. We're going to see organizations struggling to identify them. And I think by the end of 2020, I think it will be a, a thing on more people's agenda. We're already seeing the likes of Gartner and Forrester talking heavily about the need to integrate bot management into your application protection stack and APIs. I think this is kind of the thing that's going to come home to roost for a lot of organizations. They've put a lot of protection around their website, not just for bots, but various other security vulnerabilities, but it's the APIs, the third-party access, the mobile apps that are being reverse-engineered by attackers to gain access to information, and I think that's really going to hit home in 2020. Mm, yeah, I think that's uh, yeah an interesting take on that, and I think you're right from what you kind of say, and I can kind of see those signs creeping around, so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops, and I think the key point there is how people are going to react, and whether people can get ahead of it beforehand. So it'll be interesting to see. Well, James, that takes us to the to the end of the discussion. But uh, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and providing your insights. It's been really good. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it.
Of course. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen. If you're interested in finding out more about what uh, James has been discussing today, make sure you head on over to netasia.com. And also, if uh, you enjoyed this podcast, always make sure you go subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasting needs. We'll be back next week with another Ask the Expert podcast. Thank you once again to James, and we'll see you all back here next week. You've been listening to the EM360 podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com. 